Number 1 When I was younger, my family owned a little cottage on an equally little lake. We were all very outdoorsy people, so we spent as much time as we could there. And this particular visit, we'd invited my cousin Ashley, who, as a boating enthusiast, had brought along her kayak, so me and her could go on the lake together. We had been out exploring the swampy parts of the waters together one evening, when it started to get a little too dark for our comfort. We decided to wrap up our trip and head home, and were making small talk as we went. When, out of the blue, Ashley got eerily quiet, and asked me in a wary, confused voice, Who the hell is that? Craning my neck around her body to see who she was talking about, I felt a chill run down my spine. Standing at the end of our dock, which was now in full view, was an unfamiliar young man. I was sure he wasn't one of the neighbours, who we were all friendly with, and there were no male family members staying at the cottage that week. I have no clue, I replied frightened. We stopped to watch from a distance, unsure what to do. I couldn't make out much detail, but he appeared to be a pale, dark-haired man, clothed in some sort of trench coat and jeans, certainly not summer dress. He didn't move from what I could see either, just stood there, not twitching or shifting his weight like you'd expect. We discussed what to do, and decided we would use our family's friend's dock a few cottages over and ask him for help. We were rowing in that direction, when, out of nowhere, the boy started to walk forward, and, to our shock, walked straight off the deck. He didn't even hesitate, just strode confidently off into the water. We waited for him to resurface, preparing to row our asses off if he started swimming our way, but there was no sign of him. He just disappeared. Even creepier, there was no splash when he hit the water. Not that I can recall. He just slid into the depths of the lake. We quickly paddled to our neighbour's dock, but he wasn't home, and we had to run all the way back to the cottage as it got darker and darker. My mother was furious, and out of her mind with worry, as she had gone down to see where we were, and couldn't find any trace of us. Of course, we told her what we saw, but she was sure we were either making it up, or that our eyes were playing tricks on us. There's no real satisfying end to this story. Neither of us found out who or what that kid was, and we generally avoid the topic. I've never taken another late evening canoe ride though, that's for certain. Number 2 I had something really scary happen to me when I was around 18 years old in the early 1990s. I was really into cars back then, and liked working on my own cars, even though I'm a girl. I had a 1979 Z28 Camara with T-tops, and in the summer, I would go cruising around with my friends looking for something to do. One evening, while driving up and down the main street in a neighbouring city, I noticed a small red truck following us at a distance. I was with my friend Jenny, and I mentioned to her that I thought this truck could be following us. I pulled into the driveway of a fast food restaurant, and noticed that the truck pulled into the restaurant three driveways back. I drove out in the other direction, and he did the same. Again, I pulled into another driveway, 
and the truck pulled in three driveways behind. I did this several times, and the truck kept following, always staying about three driveways back. Jenny and I decided that we should head towards home, which was about 30 minutes away. We thought that the driver would just give up and let us go, but he didn't. He just kept following. It was now getting very late, and we were beginning to worry, as the truck had now been following us for about an hour. We didn't want to go home and have him follow us there, and I decided the best thing that we could do would be to drive to the nearest police station. I told Jenny what I planned on doing, and to my horror, she grabbed the steering wheel and pulled it, causing the car to veer sharply right. What the hell are you doing? I screamed at her. You're going to make us crash. It was bad enough that I had to worry about the truck following us, but now I had to worry about my passenger freaking out and causing us to have an accident. No, we can't go to the police, she insisted. It occurred to me right then that somehow she thought that this was our fault, that somehow just by cruising around, she thought that we had done something to provoke this. I reluctantly drove away from the police station. We approached a bridge and were stopped by a red light on a one-way street. The truck was directly behind a car that was next to us. The car turned right, allowing the truck to pull forward. I looked over, and to my horror, this guy had stepped out of the truck and was standing next to the passenger side of my car with no pants on and was masturbating. This guy didn't have his pants down to his ankles. As a matter of fact, he had none on at all. I had the disturbing feeling that he probably didn't even have any with him this whole time that he had been following us. I hit the gas pedal and ran the red light going over the bridge. Somehow, my friend didn't see what the guy had been doing just outside of her window. When I told her, she kept saying, No way. How the hell did you not see that? I asked her in disbelief. It occurred to us that this guy would likely rape us if he had the chance. I drove up and down a few one-way streets, and back over the bridge and out into the country. He followed us for what seemed like forever, until we were finally able to lose him, going really fast in the middle of nowhere. We went home and tried to forget about it. For some reason I never told my parents, and I'm not sure why. But a few weeks later, I saw on the news that the police were looking for a guy in a small red truck. He was wanted for rape. They showed his picture, and it resembled the guy that had followed us. I thought that their description of the truck was a little different than the one we had seen, but maybe not. I always wondered if it was him. I'm just glad that we never had to find out. Number 3 My mum has only recently told me this story, and I wouldn't say that I was too scared about it, but it definitely made me think. So, my mum grew up in the middle of nowhere in Yorkshire. The closest house to hers was about a mile and a half away. One day, my grandparents went out, and my mum went to go play out in the woods, which was about a quarter of a mile away from her house. She played there for about an hour or so, and decided to head back home, as it was autumn in Yorkshire, so it was quite cold. She headed out of the woods, and down the lane which led to her house, when she passed a van parked near to the woods, 
with a man standing outside of it, dressed in what she assumed to be some kind of electrician's uniform. She carried on walking down the lane, when all of a sudden she hears the man shout, Oi, love. She turns to see him, about ten foot from his van, walking towards her. Being shy, my mum carried on walking, not wanting to talk, when she starts to hear his big, heavy boots walking behind her, getting closer and closer. Suddenly, his fastish pace turns into a run, and without turning back, my mum ran as fast as she could, panicking as she bolted through the gate and into the house, running round locking all the doors and windows. When she hears the back gate open, and the back door handle being turned like it was trying to be opened. She waited upstairs for about 20 minutes until her mum and dad came back. She told them all about what happened, and my grandfather grabbed the two dogs they owned, a collie and an Alsatian, and went to look for the guy. He never found him or his van, and when they phoned the police, they never found the guy either. I've thought of it since, and my mum could have seriously been in danger if she hadn't have been so shy and ran. Number 4 When I was 12 years old, I spent the night with my best friend Carrie. We had big plans for our sleepover. We were planning to stay up all night, listen to music, play board games, and talk about boys. The usual things little girls do. Around 2am, after her parents were sleeping, we decided we were hungry. We knew we had to be quiet so that we didn't wake them, so we tiptoed into the hallway from her room. As we made our way into the kitchen, we had to go through the dining room. Because we were so quiet, we heard a tapping noise. Immediately, we both knew that someone was tapping on the living room window. You could see into the living room from the dining room, so immediately our heads turned towards the living room. We could see a figure standing on the porch next to the window. Because of the way the porch light was illuminating the figure, it looked like a shadow. We thought the figure was Carrie's sister's boyfriend. The sister and boyfriend had been banned from seeing each other, and we assumed that this was his weird way of getting her attention. We decided that he either would leave on his own, Tina, Carrie's sister, would see him, or Carrie's parents would wake up and run him off. We didn't want the last possibility to happen, because we had already been told to go to sleep more than once, and we knew we'd get in trouble for sneaking into the kitchen for food when we were supposed to be asleep. As we walked through the dining room, the figure kept tapping at the window. When he came into full view, we knew for sure it was a man, and we could tell he had a knife in his hand. The knife was what he was tapping with. Because this window had no shades, blinds or curtains, we were sure he could see us as well. We both dropped to the floor and started crawling to the kitchen. We made it to the kitchen and literally sat in the middle of the floor, whispering about what we had just seen. We were both sure that we saw the same man with a knife. We knew we had to get to her parents' room as soon as possible. To do this, we had to walk through the living room. We sat in the kitchen, 
trying to figure out how we were going to get there without him seeing us. We peeked around the kitchen wall and could still see him standing on the front porch. We couldn't make it to a parent's room without him possibly seeing us. We knew we had to find a place that had a door that we could lock in case he came in through the sliding glass door that currently had no lock since it was broken. The sliding glass door was in the dining room and right next to where we were. We decided to crawl back to her room. As we did, we heard the front door knob jiggling. We basically freaked. We crawled back to her room as fast as we could and locked the door. We crawled to her bedroom window that faced the street so that we could see if he was still on the front porch. We didn't see him. We didn't hear tapping either. As we were watching from her window, we saw him leave her yard and start walking up the street towards the main highway. I could see the knife shimmering off the street lights. It was a huge butcher's knife. When we realised he was leaving, we ran into her parents' room to tell them what had happened. We told them what we had seen, and due to our overactive imaginations and hundreds of stories that had freaked us out before, they didn't believe us. We reluctantly went back to her bedroom and locked the door. We ended up sleeping on the floor, hidden by the bed from any windows in her room. The next morning was a Sunday. Carrie's dad always walked to the corner store up the street to get a paper, coffee and smokes. When he came back, he was empty-handed. He said the store had been roped off with police tape, and it turned out the clerk in the store had been stabbed to death. Number 5 This creepy experience must have happened about a year ago now, around Halloween, and to this day, it still creeps me the fuck out. Me and my twin sister Lauren, both 20 now, had moved into our first flat, three months before this happened. Our parents helped us move into the flat, my dad hiring a van to get all our stuff, and the whole family, including my old brother Sam, who was visiting from England, helped us move furniture and numerous boxes into the flat. Our family helped us settle in, and luckily enough, our flat was actually next door to one of our dad's old friends, Danny, which was great, as we hadn't seen him and his wife in about ten years. The neighbourhood we live in, which is a smallish village about an hour or so from Glasgow in Scotland, is 99% of the time really quiet, and everybody around the area is really nice. But this one night, something wasn't quite right. Like I've said already, we had only really gotten used to the area we were living in, but after what happened this one night, I always have my wits about me. It was a dark winter's night in late October, early November, a Thursday I think, and me and my sister decided to stay up until about half one in the morning, as we sometimes did after a long week at college. We'd stay up drinking, stuffing our faces, and talking about random stuff like acting, the subject that we were both studying, motorbikes, guys, and some bitching too, just like any normal young woman would do. Then, we decided to put the lights out and go to bed as we had grown tired. I do the normal nightly routine, like checking everything was turned off and that the door was locked, which it was thankfully, as a few nights previously, I had forgotten to lock it. 
So, we both went to bed and fell asleep as usual. Just to set the layout of the flat, me and my sister were on the first floor, above an old woman, Betty, who is rather lovely, but we don't see her very often. Our bedroom is right next to the porch and the front door, and our bedroom window looks out onto the street. It was about 4am when we awoke to a loud knocking at our door. I was expecting a parcel the next day, so initially thought it would be the postman, but that's when I checked the time on my phone, which I usually leave on in case of emergencies, and it was 4.30am. Still, being tired and disorientated, I realised that it was far too dark to be about 10am when the postman usually came, even though the mornings were much darker now during the winter months. The banging on the door lasted for what felt like 20 minutes, but was probably less. Me and my sister were too scared to move from our beds, only whispering quietly to each other to just ignore the banging on the door. Neither of us were very comfortable about answering the door to a stranger knocking at an ungodly hour. I don't usually answer the door to strangers, or even answer mobile numbers I don't recognise. The banging stopped suddenly, and I heard heavy footsteps descend down the outside stairs next to the wall near my head. Everything fell silent for a few minutes, so I tried to settle back down, but my adrenaline was going crazy. I could feel my legs shaking. I was so nervy about whoever it was outside. There was no way I was getting back to sleep. Then, I saw the flashing of a torch through our bedroom window. It flashed at least three times, but maybe more. It then stopped. I heard what sounded like a man talking on the phone to someone, or having a conversation with someone outside, sounding a bit agitated and angry. I didn't look outside of our bedroom window in case the man saw me, but a few minutes later, I heard the rumbling of a car engine below me, so I then assumed that he came in his car. His voice became increasingly explosive as I became more and more scared. It got to the point where I was about to phone the police, but then I heard the man opening his car door and leaving swiftly along the street. I don't know who the man was or what he wanted, but I didn't sleep at all that night and for the next few days after that, every single noise would give me a fright. I was scared that whoever it was, was going to come back. The story doesn't end there though. In the end, I thought it was someone with the wrong address, or maybe just a drunk guy, but about a week later, we got a knock at the door at about half six in the morning, which is unusual for such a quiet area and neither me or my sister were expecting any mail packages or shopping to be delivered. So, I decided to open the door to whoever had knocked. Initially, I thought it was our neighbour, as he had been round once before to see how we were settling in, but not this time. It was a woman, who was dressed in a suit and looked very professional, her hair up in a tight bun and holding a clipboard. I was a bit anxious and wondered who the hell she was, I looked down at her name badge, but I can't remember her name now, so let's call her Molly. Molly said she worked for the criminal courts and was looking for a guy, we'll call him Thomas, who had previously been a tenant at this flat before we moved in a few months before. 
Molly mentioned something to do with money, but the visit was so vague, I don't really remember what she said. She asked if the man still lived here, and I said no, just me and my sister. She asked when we moved in, and what letting agency we were with, but I think that was just to confirm that we did live there. She seemed nice enough, got what she wanted, and left. So, I'm guessing money is the reason why the creepy guy turned up a few nights previously banging loudly on the door. I'm so glad I didn't answer the door that night, and that I made sure it was locked. Fuck knows what would have happened if he thought that we were the man he and the courts were looking for. I'm happy to say that since then, we've had no further disturbances at our flat, but it gives me chills just thinking about it. I just hope this creep never comes back. Hi guys, Brimstone here. Thanks ever so much for watching the video today, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to like, comment, share and subscribe to the channel. It helps so much and it really spreads the word of what we do. I will be back on Wednesday for the final part of Herbert West Reanimator, so make sure you come back for that. And if you've missed a part in the story, go back and check it out. They're all up on the video, I've even got a playlist for you, so it's nice and simple. It looks like I will be hitting 20,000 subscribers as well before Friday, which is amazing. Thank you everybody so much for that. Um, it's quite insane. I never thought that we'd get there on the channel. Um, not that I mind it. I just enjoy doing what I do. Um, to celebrate this fact, on Friday I will be doing a Q&A video. So if you want to get your questions in, make sure you do it before Thursday. You can do your questions by commenting on this video. Um, in fact, comment on any video, I'll look through them all at the comments and pick out any questions. You can also email them to me along with any story submissions and you can post them to my Twitter account. I'll make sure I have a look everywhere and we will get that sorted out. So until next time, sleep tight. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.